finished high school and I had gotten a full ride to this university. My parents and my grandma especially, you know, they were all like, you have to go. And the only way you can leave is if you get a record agreement. I'm not good at talking, but I'm good at speaking up, telling Martin Paul just how it is. What is up? You're listening to episode 59 of No Guitar Is Safe, and that is Christian Lopez. His new album is called Red Arrow on Blaster Records, out of Nashville. And yes, young Christian was able to get a record deal and appease his parents and his grandparents and get paroled from university after, I think, just one semester and become a professional, original artist. I just discovered him like the day before I agreed to do this podcast because you know what? I loved his music from the second I heard it. I'm not sure I've ever been around A pretty girl that never let me down Give it all away and watch them burn into the ground Yeah, I'm sick of stepping up and striking out And of course, if you know the show, a lot of times we have lead guitar players. How did they become so monstrously accomplished as a lead player? And we have them from all styles on the previous 58 episodes. Today, well, of course, you know, no guitar is safe. I know that Christian plays some lead and stuff and, and carries his own on electric guitar, but today, man, it's all about songwriting, strumming, singing, and how he created this career so young. Now he's 22, but man, he plays like an old soul. He's got this fantastic voice. I just don't want to love somebody I like. Take a stab in the dark, baby, and find a little light. Put a pretty dress on, I'll take you out tonight. Come on, baby, my silver How did he do it? How did he come out of this tiny little town in West Virginia, get signed in Nashville, play on an aircraft carrier for the Navy, as you're about to hear? How does he write the songs? How does he get those A-list musicians on there? And, you know, as you would expect for anyone of the so-called millennial generation, Christian is very much up on social media and all that stuff, but he's also doing the old school stuff, man. He's putting out the vinyl records and and the CDs, and he's on tour hitting it hard. If you're in any of these areas, go check him out. Support him. November 2nd, Asheville, North Carolina. What a great town. November 3rd, Woodford, Virginia. November 8th, Franklin, Tennessee. November 17th, Vienna, Virginia. November 22nd, Charleston, West Virginia. December 6th at Fitzgerald's in Berwyn, Illinois. Man, I played there a million times. That's a great place. Fitzgerald's just outside of Chicago. So check out and support this great young songwriter, Christian Lopez. Next week, by the way, we will have Carl Verheyen, who is, in fact, one of the most monstrous lead guitar players I've ever encountered. He's going to blow your mind. 
So yeah, let's fire up the Jolly Guitar Copter and we're going to head over to Century City because uh, Christian is in town in L.A. from Nashville, as he often is, especially because his girlfriend lives here. We're headed over to her awesome pad. Her name is Skylar Shea. She's a professional actress. She's been on Grey's Anatomy, Criminal Minds, Ray Donovan in the movie Bratz, the movie, you know, she's working. And uh, very nice of her to let us hang out. And she, of course, is, is part of the show, too, which is cool. Christian will be playing his favorite steel string. I'm playing a little bit of Telecaster. And uh, we play a lot of tunes. In fact, we close with a really beautiful song. Christian does one of his songs. It's called Caramel. There won't really be an outro at the end because it's just the perfect ending, him playing that tune. He's going to play a bunch of tunes for you. Again, this show is recorded, as always, on the Zoom H6 handy recorder. Thank you, Zoom. Thanks to Guitar Player and GuitarPlayer.com, the magazine and the website, for supporting my show. Keep it live to your 95, y'all, and let's head over to hang out with Christian Lopez. Thanks for having me over, guys. Absolutely. Thanks for coming, man. <laughs> Skylar, thanks for having us over and uh, your letting house. us take over your living room. Yeah. My golly, it was so nice before I set up all these microphones and cables, but we still have the incredible vibe here, the candles. <laughs> Let me see, how many candles you got going today, Skylar? One, two, three, One, two, four, three, four, five, five six, six, seven, eight. I can't count that high. We did it for you. We just offered you. I like what you said, Christian. We're having like a podcast seance, I think. It's a new thing. <laughs> Yeah, and I got my tone really squashed here with this Keeley compressor to try and get some uh, to accompany your beautiful songs. Oh, thank you. Well, that was a John Prine song, and uh, it's an old one, and nice little jam, nice little jam to get things started. Could you play me, like, what's the first song you remember writing, just or even just a piece of it, that you wrote yourself, maybe you were a kid, I mean, you're still a kid, which is annoying. <laughs> you're like, what, 21? I just turned 22 last week. Oh, man. You're getting old, so brother. Fresh out. Fresh out of my first year. <laughs> hey, well, uh, that's wonderful, man. Uh, you have such a promising, incredible situation ahead of you, I think, because I just love your songs. Now, oh, can you go back to like maybe like the first kind of verse chorus or even a chorus, something that you remember that you kind of like that stick, yeah. stuck around? You know, it's funny. The, the first song I remember writing was like a, a more simplified version of Will I See You Again, which was a song on my last record, my my first record, you know, songs that I had with me my whole life, but I was like 15, and uh, I just had like the uh, the chord progression, you know, the... Uh, kind of that 1-5 thing. You know, I was really into the Avett Brothers 
and I just really I loved train beats yeah man so I was just whenever I got a bass player I was like you're only gonna be playing one fives in my show and uh and it was just sort of that thing and it wasn't until way later down the line that we went a little you know uh you know intro style with the whole and added that all in but uh yeah you know sort of that uh, that old acoustic train groove kind of sound that sounds great man um, so what inspired you to pick up a guitar in the first place and how old were you well where'd you grow up man west virginia martinsburg west virginia my uh my mom started me in piano when i was five uh she started all my brothers and sisters in piano it was like a thing that she did her parents had her do she was a music teacher so it's just part of growing up in our house was you start school and you start piano lessons and uh you know we went to south dakota when i was eight years old went to mount rushmore and while we were there, we went to this old ghost, uh, this old like ghost town uh, reenactment thing, run by this family, who uh, had this ranch. It was called the Circle B Ranch, and they had this big western show. At the end of the night, they served us all cornbread, beans, <laughs> dry, you know, pork, and uh, but they put on this western show at the end of the night, and the youngest guy in the band was playing guitar, and they would just play old cowboy songs, and he was absolutely ripping it it was it was like disgusting and um you know i told my parents i want to play guitar i have extremely supportive parents and uh started playing at nine but uh, i got an acoustic guitar and i was just like hell with that you know i, I put that down i got a bc rich bc rich warlock yeah Rad. do you remember what year was that made was it a new one or was it was it? a new one yeah, cool. it was like one of the the uh korean ones and uh I got it. A so little, that would have been like 2004? Something? something like yeah, that. Like yeah, like right there. Okay, that's crazy. Yeah, that's, you know, I had that and then I had a, a Fender Starcaster, you know, that you'd buy in the box at Costco. I had that. <laughs> but I had the Warlock and I was in a band with my little brother and uh, that was what we did. Growing up in the house, it was just me and my brother playing Dio and, uh, and uh, ACDC and <laughs> Aerosmith and just a bunch of just a random stuff until, you know, I... 14 15 years old I kind of discovered old country and a lot of the Americana stuff that was sort of happening and uh, kind of came full circle back to the to the acoustic guitar and the kind of more of a western vibe and uh, but yeah you know it was always yeah. rock and roll from the beginning so what does your dad do your mom's a music teacher and yeah my dad is a uh, he's always been in banking he was a, a loan officer and then so you guys uh, lived in town <laughs> oh yeah a little tiny town lived in town, one mile radius, you know. And uh, what's the population? The population of Martinsburg. It's hmm. a good just, question. Just a guess. Uh, <laughs> you know, I'd probably say. Uh, I don't. I don't even know. Maybe you should Google it. I don't <laughs> oh, want to cool. get it wrong. Our... <laughs> it's not very many. Skylar Shea in the house. Our paralegal assistant, personal star actress, all in one. <laughs> But yeah, so he was he was a banker, but but the thing about him, which was so important, is he came in with the with the taste. I think it was a beautiful fusion between my mom's, you know, 
self-discipline, you know, teachings and, and, and theory and, and lessons mixed with my dad's record collection. It kind of was a beautiful oh, yeah. blossoming, you know, as, at a young age. And what were the standouts in his record collection? Where did it lean or everywhere? It was, it was, you know, he graduated in 87. So he was, uh, he had a lot of hair metal love, you know, he, but what really changed my life as a kid was ACDC. They were the greatest band I'd ever heard in my life. And I still consider them my favorite band of all time. Dude. Yeah. I can't believe how much we have in common. Yeah. For one thing, my first concert was ACDC. Okay. Yeah, they still, you know, there's a few bands that can rock 20,000 people and the songs just sound good that live. The other thing we have in common is I graduated 87 too. (laughs) Whoa. That's hilarious. That's amazing. Okay, so um, yeah, you're rocking out some ACDC. ACDC, he's a huge Pink Floyd guy and... uh, and you know, just a, I feel like a really strong mix of uh, just '80s and '70s rock and roll. And you know, I, I grew up. You know, my first concert was Van Halen when they first got with David Lee Roth at the Wachovia Center in Philly. I went, you know, to Walmart at midnight, picked up the new Black Ice record when ACDC put that went put that out, and went out to their DC show with Brian. And um, you know, I grew up only going to classic rock shows with my family. You know, got backstage to Foreigner, had him sign my PV. You know, it was like, that was that was all I wanted to do. You know, classic Amazing. rock. Now, what genre do you consider yourself? I mean, you're in Nashville, and there's definitely a country leaning. So what genre would they put your album in? Well, what are you? You know, nowadays, there's so many, like, sub-genres and such. Yeah. But I've always sort of let the people... Uh, you know, put it where they want to put it. I've never put a name on it myself. But luckily, there's the big rise of Americana, yeah, yeah. whatever that is nowadays. And, you know, it's almost like, you know, what, what, what is the most rootsy? And, and, you know, whatever category, if, it's, if it sounds like old school rock and roll, if it sounds like old school country, if it sounds like something weird that has some old school flavor to it, if it sounds like folk music, they just put it on this big island of misfit toys, which is Americana. So it's like the, it's just like this bucket of the, uh, the edges in it. Yeah, man. I love your stuff. Do you think maybe we could try, let's see, swim the river? Of course, mm-hmm. man. Absolutely. I'm not good at saving. But I'm good at holding on Like the way the sparkle never leaves your eyes I'm not good at leaving But I'm good at getting gone And I'm giving all I have to get me by Lady, take me by the hand You know I'm doing what I gotta do To make you understand Lady I give it all I can, I swear I'd swim the river up and back if it'd make me our man. I'd swim the river up and back if it'd make me our man. I'm not good at talking, but I'm good at speaking up, telling Mom and Paul just how it is. I'm no good at joking. But I'm good at cracking up So kick your shoes up on the bank And jump right in Later 
take me by the hand, you know I'm doing what I gotta do to make you understand. Lady, I give it all I can, I swear I'd swim the river up and back if it'd make me all man. I'd swim the river up and back if it'd make me all man. But I'm taking every shot Point of my red arrow at your heart Yeah, I'm no good at swimming But I'll give it all I got Till I finally float away inside your arms Lady, take me by the hand You know I'm doing what I gotta do To make you understand I give it all I can, I swear I'd swim the river up and back if it'd make me all man. I'd swim the river up and back if it'd make me all man. I'd swim the river up and back if it'd make me all man. And that's a great tune there, brother. Thank you so much. It's a good plan. Oh, thanks. Just you know, trying to warm up our fingers in this. I know. 64 degrees. 64 degree room. It's good for the skin. <laughs> it's awesome. Now, how did that song come about? First of all, how many writers are on it? What's I know now, nowadays a lot of people, you know, you produce your record in Nashville mm-hmm. and there's con- contributing writers. That's, Absolutely. I mean, that's a perfect song, bro. <laughs> <laughs> well, this song I wrote with a buddy of mine, Jordan Lawhead. And uh, I've been writing with him since the first time I ever came to Nashville. He was one of the first guys I met. He's just this hippie. lives in Pegram, like a nice country town outside of outside of Nashville on a wolf sanctuary uh, but that day I brought him into town and we sat on my manager's apartment in the gulch and uh, we sat on the balcony and we smoking weed out of an apple <laughs> and uh, he was doing his thing I didn't partake that day uh, specifically um, and um, but I did eat the apple and I like the way the song turned out, but we were just, you know, it started all just because, uh, you know, this was about a year and a half ago, and then we were just talking about how how broke I was and how, how kind of broke he was. And I said, uh, I, uh, I'm not good at saving. And he was like, there's our first line, let's go from there. So that's, that's kind of how it worked. And, uh, you know, we just tried to keep it simple, and uh, it just kind of came out naturally. So it was one of those. It was a good good day. So take us through some of those lyrics. I'm not good at saving. Then what happens? But I'm good at holding on. Yeah. Not I'm not good at leaving, but I'm good at getting gone. Kind of has oh, that contrast to it. You yeah, know, the, right. uh, um, I'm not good at talking, but I'm good at speaking up. You know, that kind of thing. We were going for... Oh, that's a good one. Uh, you know, not being... It's, you know, the, this, the whole thing about not being perfect. You know, but doing everything you can. It's kind of that kind of thing. Now, there's a killer violin player on there, too, right? There is. Stuart Duncan. He's a, like a Nashville legend. He's. We were lucky to get him for like three hours one day, and we just absolutely utilized the hell out of him. He was a great guy. Incredible.
tell me about Stuart Duncan. Like, there's like a, some feedback on one part. It sounds like the violin is going through a guitar amp or something. Well, you know, we had him double a lot of his parts. And, uh, you know, there's that part in that song where we had him really laying into it. We doubled it. And, um, you know, of course, we put a little grit on in the studio and make it sound pretty, pretty gnarly. But he's just a, a hell of a player. And uh, you just tell him what you want. I'll, you know, honestly, it's better not to tell him what you want. You just say, here's the song, do your thing. And uh, you just sort of go from there. And he, I don't know, he just can make it sound, uh, you know, give it what it needs. That sounds like there's a couple of big piano notes in there, too, that kind of fill out the bottom mm-hmm. end, and like, again, after the break. Yeah, we had a guy named Mike Rojas. He's another Nashville studio legend. And, uh, yeah, you know, I got lucky. I had a great Nashville band. I had a great studio, uh, you know, situation going on. So, but it, you know, I owe that to my producer, Marshall Altman. He, he, uh, he knows the right people. He knows the best players. And, uh, you know, me and Marshall spent eight months in pre-production going through these songs, started with like 45 and narrowed it down to 11. So he made sure that everyone he had play on this was the right person to play. So it was a very thorough process. Wow, no shortage of songs there, man. You just how many, how often do you write a song? Once a week? <laughs> well, <laughs> gearing up for this record, it was I just got uh, gotten a new publishing deal with a company called Razor and Tie, and our objective together was just to uh, sort of expand my horizons by doing more co-writes, getting into rooms with people I've never met, you know, who who do who do different things, but also um, have had success. Some some kids who are brand new in town as well. Um, so writing is what, was what I was doing every day at certain points. I come to Nashville for three weeks and write every single day, sometimes twice a day. And, um, yeah, you know, it was good for me and I wanted to write and just eventually you just start racking them up. And it's nice to be able to choose, uh, what you think best represents where you are at a time rather than just saying I have these 11. It's nice to have a plethora and being like these ones are what are best for me as a, as a narrative uh, as a representation, and uh, you know, also as a as a flow, so it uh, definitely owe it to my to my publisher and my friends that I've made out there. Well, your voice is timeless, man. I mean, you you got a, your voice is beyond it's it's ageless. It's really I would sign you if I heard you and I was and I had that power. But Thanks. so I believe you got all the talent and everything. Now I'm curious about what kind of work went into making all this happen. Like, let's start maybe when was your first gig singing or actually doing a stepping up there in front of the mic and leading a show what was that like well the first thing was probably uh you know i never wanted to sing i was a guitar player i was playing guitar in these bands i was trying to find singers uh but growing up in west virginia i i actually uh because of my my mom specifically she put me into the community theater there was a big youth program that happened every summer, and we did Guys and Dolls, Oliver, West Side Story, Sound of Music. And that's where I first started singing in front of people, you know, and that was a big crowded theater, 500 people. And, and that was where I realized uh, that, you know, maybe I could be my own singer in my own band. And, uh, you know, it was around 12, 13, I started going to the open mics. And my parents, obviously, were very supportive and... Uh, yeah, I was just like, I'll be my own singer, whatever. You know, so you must have been one of the younger people, if not the youngest, at these open mics, right? 
Yeah, I think so. <laughs> I was that guy with the pickup that had the uh, the chord coming straight out of the pickup out of the acoustic guitar and, uh, you know, uh, just playing Steve Miller and stuff, you know, at these open mics. But, uh, yeah, you know, it was a nice town, a good community. They were all really supportive. Let's play another one of your tunes. Sure. Let's do it. Let's, see, let's do Silver Line. The Who. That's like, that's my real favorite band. The Who? The Who? <laughs> Skylar's got a Who shirt on. Oh, yeah. They just rocked Golden Gate Park the other night. I really wanted to be there. They're, they're oh, really? Was it the yeah. thing where it's Tommy Aldridge and the Who band? Or was it like... Well, you know, I'm not sure. It's Zach, Zach oh, Starkey on... Tommy, Roger, Jesus. Roger Daltrey. Roger Daltrey. <laughs> Tommy Aldridge? What was I saying? Dude, but you are... You Is are, that even a person? Yes, you're showing your metal roots. He used to play with and Ozzy White, and, and, Whitesnake. and Whitesnake. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking about. Less. Roger Daltrey. I, <laughs> I listened to the Who today about the pool. And I saw the billboard, Roger Daltrey and the Who, and the, and the Who band. Tommy Aldridge. <laughs> Big curly-haired white dude. Right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, no, totally, man. So set us up for this song. I mean, it sounds like a love song, I guess. Is there yeah. anything, anything to it you want to talk about, or should we just play it? No, we can definitely dissect it. I wrote this song with my friend Jordan Lawhead, same guy I wrote with uh, uh, For Swim the River, and also a buddy of mine named Dave Berg, who was one of the first guys I sat down with out there as well, because he's he was one of those guys who, you know, had had mainstream country hits. We're talking Keith Urban, uh, you know, Tim McGraw, all that kind of thing. So they wanted me to sit with them. You know, it's like a big deal when you get a fresh rider in a room with one of these big dogs. But he was a guy who was, you know, that wasn't what I expected. He's a guy who sits on his balcony in the woods and, and just writes songs that he wants to write. And uh, we just developed a great relationship. And, you know, I just watched that Eagles documentary. I think the one on Netflix that totally haunted me for a while. So I had this rhythm. I wanted to do this Eagles kind of rhythm. Now, why did it haunt you? Because it resonated with me so much on the little details of having a band and being on the road that um, I loved it so much that I couldn't get it out of my head. And uh, I watched it with my dad. It resonated with him too because he used to drive me for you know four years with the band. It was just um, kind of the nail on the head situation. And uh, just couldn't get it out of my mind for a while. So I was like, let's write this Eagles-esque kind of song. And we kind of had this, like, this, like kind of like an eagles rhythm we wanted to do. But it eventually led to, uh, like, a kind of one of those things. But we took it, it eventually, you know, evolved into something else. But that's kind of how it all started. And, and uh, you know, we had that one line, I just want to love somebody I like. And that was the, we just went from there. Sometimes the wrong is all I see I always want the last thing that I need Like a rusty barracuda always Breaking down on me Every time that there's somewhere I gotta be I'm not sure I've ever been around A pretty girl that never let me down Give it all away and watch it burn it to the ground Yeah, I'm sick of stepping up and striking out I just don't want to love somebody I like 
Take a stab in the dark, babe, and find a little light Put a pretty dress on and I'll take you out tonight Come on, be my silver light I've seen you around a time or two But why'd it take till now to notice you? So much for the theory that a beauty makes you weary It's crazy what a girl like you can do I just don't want to love somebody I like Take a stab in the dark, baby, and find a little light Put a pretty dress on and I'll take you out tonight Come on, be my silver lining I love that tune, man. So, you. now are you a car guy too? You got the old. Uh, I love that line about the Barracuda. Like you- yeah, it's a, it's a. Um, I always want the last thing that I need. You know, just about a guy making kind of, kind of bad decisions. But me, I always drove, you know, the the shittiest car I could find, and always <laughs> breaking down and running out of gas on the side of the road. That was my entire high school experience. But I did it because I loved it. You know, my so, dad had a Barracuda though. He had he had a uh, two Barracudas growing up and. Uh, yeah, so I like cars. Now, how did you get from doing the open mics to getting Nashville checking you out? Well, you know, Martinsburg, West Virginia, and the surrounding kind of area doesn't have too much to offer. However, we do have like the uh, the bar scene and the breweries. So what I did is I I put together my four hour set of covers and. Uh, I started playing I started playing the gigs that the you know the the 45 year old dudes who were making a full-time living were doing you know I was I was the I was the guy playing the four-hour set you know uh eight o'clock to to midnight on the uh on the on the cold days and you know nine to one on the warm days you know that was me so I was just I feel like we really you know put in the time and our hours at the bar scenes and the cover scene and you know enough to to figure out how to how to put on a good show, and uh, you know I didn't start writing songs till I was till I was fifteen sixteen, and that's when I kind of you know hit the bar scene, and I'd, I'd mix those songs into my set, and as time went on, you know it was just a you know we we did the grassroots kind of thing. We wanted to build a local following, we wanted to play our own shows, but at the same time, you know, took every offer that came our way. You, know, you had to be yes men getting off the ground. You had to say yes to everything, and we did that. And uh, but at the end of the day, you know, I owe so much to my parents. You know, I was I was a fifteen, sixteen year old on the road, and and uh, they they were behind me hundred percent. So 
it uh it was a good mix of uh you know the bar scene and then just uh having parents who would drive me to shows hours away to play for nobody you know it was uh it just you know it's that that gradual natural build and then it wasn't until i was uh in my first semester of college that i met who is currently my manager today who's uh this guy from philly and now where'd uh, you go to college well i went to one semester at a university in west virginia called shepherd university and i had finished high school and i had gotten a full ride to this university and so my parents and my grandma especially you know they were all like you, you need you have to go and the only way you can leave is if you get a record agreement record deal and so first semester in i meet with my manager he takes me to nashville and so wait, where'd you meet today. this manager guy? What's his name? I'm sorry. His name's Tom. He's a he's a he's you know a tough bulldog Philly kind of guy, and uh, I was reaching out to everybody. Man, I was sending hundred emails a day. I and, met him at some bar in you Philly. Had a couple of demos of your original tunes. Or something? I did. I had, some, you're sending them. I had some demos and some YouTube videos. Went up to Philly. Met you know. He took me down to Nashville. Met his team, and uh, they've just been great. Very supportive and. Uh, they know what I want to do, and you know I'm glad I'm still with them today, and I met the label who I'm still with today. And so, it, what are some of the best things that he did for you in that early stage? Like, well, the best thing he did was was the end into the college thing. He uh, <laughs> he he got me with a, a great a great label, you know, and that was the end of college for me. I did one semester. Uh, it's called Blaster Records. They're they're my label. They're an indie label in Nashville, and um, yeah, so he helped me with the big first step, which is you know getting someone who would put out the music. So we got that and uh, came down to Nashville and now I spend half my time there and you know we still work together today and you know since then the team grows and the band changes and the music changes but uh, the team is solid and, and you know at the end of the day it all just comes down to me and the guitar and the songs and, and, and they help me you know take them where they need to go. So it's just been growing beautifully together and you know we still have the same lineup that we did since day one. What was the like, first single off the first record? Mm. Hmm. Or, Will I see you again? And then it was leaving it out, which was a uh, kind of the big video single. Oh yeah, now that is a crazy video. I mean, you're like for anyone who hasn't seen seen it, they should definitely go on YouTube and check it out. Leaving it out, you're like it starts off. You're walking through. I mean, tell us what happens, and then tell us how you created it. Well, it was uh, one of those super slow mo videos, so the song in actuality is playing extremely fast. And on top of it, it was a one-shot video, so there's no cuts. It's all one thing. You know, we have a cast of like 30 people, and uh, the camera's on a track, and it moves, and the song is a four-minute song, but lasts like 50 seconds, 45 seconds, you know, because it's sped up. And uh, so we're basically walking fast as we can through this, through this, you know, area, singing the song at a blinding pace. Yeah, lip-syncing it. Yeah, exactly. And... Uh, you know, there was just, we had choreographed interactions as you walk through and people were running around and trying to get back into place so the camera can see him for a second time, my band especially. Uh, and it was just, it was really interesting. It was just uh, one of those really abstract, artsy videos and we went for it. We were ambitious. So I knew you were probably one shot continuously, mm -hmm. but I didn't know if it was like any green screen action in some of the other 
scenes were flowing in, but all of those other people were all live right there. All live. All it's real. amazing, man. The uh, the only green screen thing we had was when we got in that car. There was like a green screen behind us that made it look as though we were in a city, but you could see the separation of the green screen and like the actual, you know, area we were in. So I, it uh, it was a, it was a cool effect. That seems like a medium budge video, or in terms of the production. Yeah. Well, nice. you know uh, the uh, we like to go big. Yeah. So we. We uh, were definitely ambitious, and the team, you know, they love the music, and uh, they uh, they go all in, and I go all in. So you know, we try to try to do the biggest and best things we can. And if it's time to leave, well, it don't matter much to me, like the hackberry tree when the season is gone. Is it a curse or dream or a little bit? Of everything when I think I've seen enough to move on. La 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 Let's jam on the end there. Yeah, man, you got a really great voice, dude. And you don't even need a band. I hope you do some solo shows too. Sometimes you know we do. We do solo shows a good bit of the time. You know, and we're still developing, so it's uh, you know we're hopping a lot of other tours with other bands, and a lot of times they want some stripped down stuff, so we can do the abbreviated thing when we need to. And what's your band like? What do you? What's your instrumentation typically? You know, we kind of do the power trio, and I like it. You know, it's <laughs> it's a fiscal thing, a hundred percent, but also. You know, we try to be bold. Uh, so you just have a bass player and drummer? Bass player and drummer and me. You know, but I'm also playing electric for half of my show. And, um, you know, and it, it, as a trio, I, I've had to learn to evolve, you know, extremely fast. Which is bringing in the electric, you know, half to even more than half of the show. But, uh, yeah, I got drums. And I have a great bass player. A great bass player who can fill in a lot of the space that you know wouldn't be there necessarily with. What's uh, his or her name? His name is Jason Navo. Sweet. And I play an electric called a Shelton, which is a uh, well West Virginia built electric guitar. He kind of does a he does a play on sort of the old jazz masters and uh, you know tellies, uh, but he also makes these crazy um, almost Firebird looking guitars called Solar Sonics and. I play a Galaxy Flight, and I used to play a Time Flight. It's very, like, bold, like, sparkly, you know, stardust kind of look. And uh, it's great. Shelton Guitars, West Virginia. Same with my right. Fairbelt here. I love I love repping West Virginia guitars. But uh, I don't think I would have played this much electric if it hadn't been for Shelton and his 
fantastic line. I got to check those out. I will. I'll show you some pictures. So, yeah, you're a long way from West Virginia now. First, first it was Nashville, which is a pretty big place. And now you're out here in L.A. in the center of it. Yeah. Century City. And um, what's it like out here? First of all, what you've been doing out here this week? And, again, thanks, Skylar, for having us over. Skylar is a professional actor. What have you done? Anything we I've seen? <laughs> um, have you seen the Bratz? You know, the Bratz dolls? I, I should. Yeah, you know the dolls? Yeah, I know they're uh, um, So I did the movie, we did Lionsgate, we did a live action movie and um, called Bratz. And then I did, it was on Grey's Anatomy. Oh, cool. Yeah. Okay. So. And Ray Donovan. Hey, and Ray Donovan. I played a yeah. hooker on Ray Donovan. <laughs> hey, how rolls? That's it's great. all art. <laughs> yeah, <I> was, <laughs> you know that's those are some great gigs congratulations on that and i know you're just getting started and uh that's pretty impressive and it's always nice to meet professionals in this town there's so many of them kicking ass now what 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 do you know about this guy what should i ask him about his music what's your favorite song for him to sing you does he have is there some special that i wouldn't know about that you know about oh, i know it's all the time exactly. <laughs> play a little bit of that one yeah absolutely sure. i can play all the time Monday morning, winter's bite Talking through a sheet of white Walking high, scrape it dry Look them in the eye Logging hours, working hard Staring at a birthday card Cover up, warm up the truck Meet them in the yard and I try to discover why these flakes don't look the same And every new and every other rearranged And I know the wind will differ But the world don't seem to change Oh, that's alright It happens all the time Smoky sky, fatal flower Set the clock back an hour Redefine, toward the line What's mine is out Well, she said, come back to bed While the voice is in my head Say, your father and your brother Turned out right and I try to close my eyes But there's too much on my mind Well, that's all right It happens all the time
Thank you so much. So, what does it take these days to? Uh, you got the good songs, you got the great voice, you got a good manager. What's next for a artist trying to break it in 2017? I mean, I feel like you're the perfect person to respond because you really are the next generation, barely old enough to buy a Coors Light. <laughs> and um, what's the strategy for someone like you? You have, I've, I personally think you have a huge, amazing future ahead of you. And I know you've done already a bunch of kick-ass stuff, but how do we take to the next level for an artist in your position? Well, I appreciate it, man. Um, but, uh, you know, we're kind of in that limbo phase from what I've gathered in the music business. You know, we don't know what's the best route. I mean, for me, the best thing I can do is just, you know, tour my ass off get on the right bills, make the right friends with the right bands. Uh, you know, I think it's going to be real grassroots on my end, just uh, covering as much ground as possible. And I'm, I'm ready for that. You know, I got the, I got the, the rig fueled up new tires and a great band, you know, I'm, I'm ready to go, you know, but on the other side of things, you know, everyone sort of is reluctant about Spotify and, you know, uh, CDs are kind of getting obsolete, but you know, you you have to move with the times. You can't be resistant. You know, I personally love Spotify. I listen to it. I use it, and uh, I love seeing my music get streams. I like seeing people enjoying it. I like seeing people sharing it, even though it doesn't make a ton of money. You know, uh, at the end of the day, artists never made the bulk of their money on sales. You know, they make their money on on tickets, and you know, the more people are enjoying it. Uh, you know the more tickets are gonna sell naturally so that's kind of where i am you know i'm just ready to put in the work and i think i think at the end of the day if you work hard enough um that you can get what you want to get done done you know so that's what i'm doing but uh of course the labels are you know trying to keep their heads above water and i'm just rooting for them (laughs) (laughs) no doubt what about huge kind of publicity kind of things like either getting your song either on a commercial campaign or in a film or what kind of other ambitions would be good for someone in your position those are always great you know if you get some licenses um but uh you know i i I don't know if i've thought it too far into into that kind of world you know that that's definitely a you know it's a check it's a great it's great paycheck and uh, uh if you can get it you know i've had a couple small things with with belt commercials and you know i've worked mm-hmm. on west virginia campaigns and uh but uh you know nowadays if you can get into the right spotify playlist it goes a long way 
if you can you know it's about you have to be really social with online you know you have to have a real strong presence and uh everyone's looking for the next viral thing so i mean there's outlets for all those things to take off and kind of burst um and you know it's not the first thing we're seeking out but if it happens you know of course it's beneficial the first thing we're seeking out is is uh marketing this record the old-fashioned way we're printing vinyls and um and i'm gonna be you know touring harder than i've ever toured you know we i think the the classic route will never die but at the same time if the new contemporary opportunities present themselves we're gonna take them sweet man now tell me about this tune steel on the water Some from the car, more from the port A few for tradition, some last resort No love getting in, or luck getting out There's steel on the water and boots on the ground There's steel on the water and boots on the ground I was, uh, it was August 2016 I was sent on the USS John C. Stennis uh, which is an aircraft carrier to open for a band that was booked to play on it. So it was just a bill brought onto this ship to play for the sailors as we sailed for six days from Pearl Harbor to San Diego, the final week of the nine month run that they had been on at this time. So it was, everyone was really tired and anxious and excited. And also for the last week, they could invite some of their family on the ships. So there were family as well as sailors, 5,000 people in all. Crazy, you know, going on, I didn't know what to expect. I knew I was going to lose phone service. I knew I was going to be no eating. No phone service? I know. Oh, my God. Yeah, you know, I knew I was going to be eating, you know, cafeteria food and, and uh, you know, it, like a new world for me. Like, what's it going to be like? But honestly, as soon as I got on, I met so many incredible people. Kids my age living a completely different life. And, uh, you know, when we weren't playing the shows at night, we were encouraged to you know, to, to hang, to jam. You know, kids bring their instruments on board and people can sing. There's so many talented people in the military. And we, we spent time all night long, all day long, just playing, talking, sharing stories. You know, I, I just listened. And honestly, I feel like that experience changed my life forever. I want to do it again, and I'm trying right now to do it again, uh, just because you meet so many amazing people who are, who music means something different to them it's almost a refuge for them being away for so long and separated from you know things like that for so long uh, it's just makes you understand uh what the real meaning of uh music is to people you know it's an outlet you know so it was uh it was just really eye-opening very enlightening and uh you know i wrote it on the last day in my cabin on the ship and uh you know, it uh, it was all very true. And that's pretty inspiring, dude. <laughs> well, thanks. I like it. Well, thanks for meeting today. Oh, of course. Dude, thanks for having me on. I love it. Well, did you want to play one last tune? Sure. Take it out. Take Absolutely. It out. Take I, us out into the sunset. <laughs> there, Christian. I want to play this one. This uh, Because I haven't played it yet uh, anywhere other than the studio and my bedroom. But, uh, but also has a lot of guitar significance to me because on this song in the studio... We had 
Kenneth Pettengale from the Milk Carton Kids uh, joined me on this track. And uh, honestly, it was the craziest thing because I just saw him in a bar a couple days earlier and I told him how big of a fan I was. And I asked him if he'd come play on the song. And he's like, send me the song and I'll think about it. I sent him the song and he got right back to me. He's like, you know, tell me when and where. And I lost it. He came into the studio. It's like in the midst of a week, you meet one of your, you know, your guitar heroes and, you know, at the end of the week, they're playing on your record. It's it's that Nashville experience. And uh, I think it's, I think he's an incredible player and I love what he did. And was he playing nylon string or something? Or? He has an old, like, early 50s Martin that probably has 20-year-old strings on it. Oh, that's what it is. Because yeah. it's a cool sound. I think I know what song you're going to play. Exactly. It's, it's, uh, it's, it, he almost has a very, uh, sort of a, jazzy nylon string kind of vibe to him uh, but uh, yeah. he's one of my favorites and uh, it's called Caramel Caramel I found myself awake at your vision again I could dwell inside your spell Alone with the moon and the sin My eyes are red, my heart is blue I speak a reason, but I won't speak of you but I blame it on the storm The fault of the creeks in the floor The pride of the fire A tug on the well A new little alibi my caramel well, I'm compelled to find little to speak of the trains that I'm in why well, could shatter but I would rather pillow and drag in let my fear outweigh the ache stuck in the middle left here awake but I'll blame Creeks in the floor, the bright of the fire, a tug on the well, a new little alibi for my caramel.